Welcome to the Credit Union Business News Podcast, the only all-digital, all-business resource for credit unions. This episode sponsored by Bader Training and Consulting. We create environments where employees actually want to come to work and members want to keep coming back. Hey there, I'm Ken Bader, your host for the Credit Union Business News Podcast, and I'm really excited about this particular episode. This is one of our early interviews for Credit Union Business News Podcast, and most of these are going to be done from afar, <laughs> because we'll have folks from all over the country, and, and a lot of this will we'll show two screens if you happen to be watching our uh, video version. Uh, sometimes people as much as three, four, or five hours away, uh, depending on uh, who we have the pleasure to have as guests, but I had the pleasure to have a nearby guest to my office, a gentleman that I've known for a long time. His name is Robert York. He is the VP of Marketing and Business Development for ILW Credit Union uh, in Long Beach, California. But I've known him for years through the Southern California Credit Union Alliance, uh, through other credit unions that he's uh, worked for and with. And we always had amazing discussions about niche and differentiation. So I certainly wanted to have him on the show. And since he's so close, rather than having him be a father, I went to his office to talk to him. So let's listen in on my great conversation with Robert York. Hi, I'm here with a distinguished guest, Robert York, uh, who is the Vice President of Marketing and Business Development for ILW Credit Union. I got to say that slow because I could easily mess that up. Uh, here at ILW Credit Union headquarters in Long Beach, California. So Robert, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, Ken. Thanks for having me. Great having you. You know, we, we've had a lot of great discussions over the last 10 years uh, about the credit union industry and things that are happening, and we'll certainly get into that, but you have a, a very um, distinguished career in the credit union space. You've been a CEO. You've been an executive. Uh, you've, you've ran the Southern California Credit Union Association or... Alliance, I should say, and uh, the also you're also running now the um, the Western Kenya Management School Alumni Association. I'm the president of their board. Correct, correct. Thank you for saying that because that would be another tongue twister for me. But you know, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in credit unions and, and a little bit about your career and how you've gotten to where you are today. Wow, I got involved in credit unions as sort of a fluke. I was working <laughs> at the I was working at the LA Times and building ads for them, and that's how I got my four color uh, experience designing ads because we basically take an ad from a cocktail napkin from a sales rep, right. produce it, and actually put plates on the press. So I really got an interest in doing for color design and everything else. And the credit union thing, I responded to an ad in Adweek for what was uh, what was then FAA Western Credit Union. Okay. And now it's Sky One. Mm -hmm. And so my boss here at ILWU, actually we interviewed with him. He was the one who ran the ad and we got along real well and I got into the industry and I've been in the industry ever since. That's like 20 odd, 25 or 26 years Wow. Ago. Yeah. yeah, it's always interesting to find out how people got in the industry because not too differently from from me, I was working as a stockbroker 
and decided that I actually wanted to help and serve people instead of uh, doing what my boss has said at the brokerage firm, which is just sell them any stock that you can make money on. Um, and I answered an ad that happened to be the Illinois Credit Union League and wound up working for the corporate. And the rest is history. Um, but what I want to really talk to you about is we've had a lot of very in-depth and sophisticated conversations about niche, about focus and, and building a brand. And I know through through my work and I know certainly through yours, you know, a lot of times I've seen, unfortunately, credit unions will, will go community or add a number of SEGs uh, or simply add uh, another credit union through merger that doesn't necessarily align with their field of membership or their real differentiator, which is they could serve a particular group than, that better than anybody else could possibly serve them. Um, so what does niche really mean to you? Because you've done a very good job of that in your career. Well, thank you. And niche actually means uh, just catering and getting to know the group that you serve. I, you know, I've never, I, I know community charters are a big thing. I've worked for a credit union that went community and they lost their, their sponsor group. They yeah. kicked them out. They figured, okay, we're going community. We can open the doors. Everybody's going to run to us because we're a credit union. I think you get lost. You yeah. really do. You get lost in the noise out there. You know, there's a small credit union that I've been in contact with that is thinking about trying to go in a different direction. And so they were thinking about going community charter. And in my argument with them and what I was talking to them is that you don't want to do that. You want to become the best credit union at, you, at serving your niche that you can possibly be. And then you grow from there and hopefully attract other, other clients or other cities in your niche, mm -hmm. you know, other, other people of the same field of membership. And so you can expand that way because that makes sense. Because as soon as you sort of dilute it and you mm -hmm. abandon that group, then they're going to walk away from you and you're not necessarily going to get the same response from someone else in the community. And I tell them, I also told them too, that you don't know who you're going to serve. Right. And that's the biggest risk is you don't know who you're going to serve when you go out of that niche. Yeah. Even with us, we serve Longshore right now. Mm -hmm. And Longshore, they Longshore and make a great living. They, um, you know, union workers are guaranteed a lot of things. But... ILWU also serves uh, hotel workers in Hawaii, uh, general tradesmen in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a huge shift from us for us when we expand to that market of ILWU because it's a totally different market. They're, they don't have the same income as longshoremen. They mm -hmm. don't have the same spending patterns. So we're, it's going to be interesting, an interesting challenge because we're still serving ILWU, but we're sort of serving a whole new mm -hmm. sort of field of membership. So we're going to have right. to adjust to that. Right. You know, it's interesting um, that you mentioned ILW in particular. Um, a few years ago, I mentioned ILW in one of the articles when, when I was just writing for Credit Union Business Magazine or Credit Union Business News. And now they said, you know, I, I guess I got a face for, for radio, so we're doing a podcast <laughs> now. Uh, but I, I spoke specifically about that, that as you were expanding in a very dynamic way, you weren't going outside of that niche. You weren't going outside of of knowing these are the people that we know how to serve 
And you could then say in your marketing and your brand messaging, we know you better than anybody else. Is that a good way of putting it? And, and maybe you can give some examples on, on how you do that. It is. It's a great way of yeah. putting it. I mean, you can look around the headquarters. As you walk into our headquarters when the elevator is working, the first thing you do when you get off I appreciated the that the elevator you know, wasn't working. By the way, we're on the third floor. So anyhow, go ahead. So when you step off the elevator, you see a container. Right. with our logo cut out of the container, and it's one of the familiar colors. You look at our website, and it's all built in familiar blocks. Everything we do and everything we, all the brand stuff that we do have, ties back to the union. And we become, we work really, really hard at becoming, uh, I wouldn't say indispensable to our SEG, but to the union, the International Longshore and Warehouse mm -hmm. Union. But anytime they have an event, used to be when I first got here, they didn't think about us. Mm. Now we are included. They expect us to be at other yeah. events. They expect us to be at a caucus. They're doing something to benefit a charity. We're right along with them. Mm -hmm. So we have done a lot to build that bridge and make ourselves as close to being part of the union as we can. And I think that's the key when marketing to a niche. Mm -hmm. You know, we have products and services that help them. We have, uh, if they're, they're a strike or a furlough or something like that, we've got loans that can bridge the gap. And I know teachers credit unions do the mm -hmm. same thing. State employees credit union, when I work for CalBear, we do the same thing when the state could never get a budget out on time. <laughs> so we would have furlough loans. And that's how you build that trust because you're there when Wells Fargo and B of A aren't going to do a yep. darn thing for them. You know, they're just going to say, well, where's your payment? Well, I'm not working. Well, where's your payment? Well, we'll help them bridge that gap or, we'll, you know, defer loan payments and do everything else. Mm -hmm. So I think having those things set you apart, being part of their group and being where they are and then having products and services that really speak to their needs, mm -hmm. that helps them. One of the biggest things we have, and I, you know, I still understand why it's not more popular, but we have what's called a contract security account. That allows them to put up to 200 bucks a week away. And it earns over, it, it's based, the interest rate is based on wherever the next contract expires. So mm -hmm. right now it's 2.20 for 2020. And so they make 2.20 on all that money compounded annually. And by the end of it, they started at the beginning of the contract, and by the end, they'd have $20,000, $30,000 sitting there ready for them yeah. if they have to, ever have to go on strike. If they don't, Go on strike. They've got twenty or thirty thousand dollars that they they could have they were spending right. and they can use for whatever they want. Right. No, that's well. You mentioned teachers' credit unions and and also um, much of the audience that that know me know that I work with a lot of police credit unions, and I see is a lot of the success, similar success that you're having at ILWU by concentrating on that specific niche. I've seen with teachers credit unions like Schools First, I know, I don't know if they still do it, but for a long time they offered an account just for teachers. You could be a another employee or you could be a family member, but if you were a teacher, you were the only ones that could get this specific account. And to your point um, of coming in here and the membership base not really thinking, thinking of you as first, yeah, it brings me back to Chicago Patrolmen's around 2001, 2002, 
where they were like, yeah, the Chicago Police Department said, we'll use Bank One, we'll use these guys, and we'll, we'll keep Chicago patrolmen's in the conversation. And now they are their go-to financial institution in the city of Chicago. And for those folks that, you know, maybe more CFO-oriented, that say, well, building a brand, how does that, you know, build income? How does that build assets? Well, before, Chicago Patrolman's was about $100 million in assets, and now they're just under $400 million, and that's about 15 years. So, and that's all from concentrating on a brand and a niche. Yeah, and I, we've experienced the same thing mm -hmm. from 2000, I've uh, been here almost, what, six years? So from 2014, 2013, mm -hmm. when the current CEO joined, till now, we, when he started, we were $133 million in assets. Mm -hmm and had about 14,000 members. Now we're just under 300 million in assets. We have just under 22,000 members. Mm -hmm. And it's driven, you ask about for your CFO types and driving income and driving revenue. Mm -hmm. The fact that we're able to bring in all these new members are new opportunities. Mm -hmm. And you've just gotta be able to cross sell them right. You cross sell them that checking account, it leads to all the different other products. You have to have a gateway product to get them in. And plus, we've gotten a lot of business from the locals. Mm -hmm. So the locals themselves, like each of the ILW locals has their own set of accounts. If they're bringing all their money to us, then mm -hmm. that means they trust us enough to get all the members of each local to bring their money to us too. That's a great point. I hadn't planned on asking you this, but since you, you brought it up, yeah. uh, onboarding is, is an area that I, I'm very focused on. Um, I found a lot of credit unions that do a really nice job of bringing new members in in one way, shape, or form. And, and then we have a lot of 25 to $30 share accounts with, with not a whole heck of a lot. So when you bring in a member, yeah. you know, that's where the real work starts, engagement and, and getting them involved in the credit union. What, what are some of the things that you do here to, to not just have them as a member, but have them as an active member per se? Well, we actually, they actually call, do outbound calling to all the new members. So they let nice. them know what their account number is, what their routing number is. We actively mine the credit report, and trust me, we got to get better at this because we're even going through. And I think we're gonna—I'm gonna try and get it set as a corporate goal this next year—is we bring in so many members through business development. Mm -hmm. Probably about seventy percent of our membership growth comes through business development, and we're growing at about two thousand gross members a year. So significant. Yeah. yeah. So we've got we've got a lot of new members, a lot of new members to reach out to, mm -hmm. and sometimes we're not able to do that and do that effectively. So we are restructuring, I've hired a business development manager is working with the branch services manager, working with the marketing manager mm -hmm. to completely reshape our onboarding program so that we are able to reach out to them via matrix letters. So using our core system to say, hey, Ken, you opened an account, mm -hmm. but you didn't open a checking account. Right. So how would you like a checking account? Here's an offer. Okay, Ken, we got your checking account. Now, here's a loan. Do you have an auto loan out there? Here's an offer to refi your mm -hmm. auto loan. You'll be encompassed in a lot of our pre-approvals too, because we run pre-approvals three times a year. So you'll get a pre-approval probably within the, uh, within the first three to six months of membership and you'll get other opportunities, you'll see our marketing materials, but having that direct matrix letter and the direct following up of phone calls right. to make sure they got their debit card, to make sure they know what their account number mm -hmm. is, to walk them through setting up all their bill pays and making sure they have a routing number, that is gonna be the key. Mm -hmm. Because it promotes stickiness, it gets balances coming into the account. Because the key, you're right, you can't, you might have a $25, 30, 
$5 share, yeah. but they're inactive members. They're not, they're costing you money every month instead of generating profit for you every month. Right, right. And I mean, I know we're supposed to be not for profit, but we're also not for loss. Yeah, and well, if we, if it's we, income. <laughs> well, if we, have, if we have members that are unfortunately giving us a loss, that's less that we could do for the members that are actually using us. And one point that you made, it was all spot on, but one in particular that was really spot on is that that I want anybody listening to really understand is, is don't be afraid to pick up the phone. Now a word from our sponsor, Bader Training and Consulting. Do you have a specific brand, culture, or strategy problem in your business? Maybe you know something's wrong, but you don't necessarily know exactly what the problem is. Well, BTC offers periodically 15-minute free strategy sessions. They're completely complimentary. We give you a tip that you can implement in your business that's going to help your brand, culture, or strategy in that 15-minute call. And it's not a 15-minute sales call. It is a deep dive into a specific issue that you may be having at your unique business. To schedule a 15-minute strategy session, Go to www.btcinc.net and go to the Contact Us page. Simply put in your information, and in the comments, all you need to do is put Strategy Session, and we will contact you about scheduling your unique 15-minute strategy session to help your unique business. I'm totally negative on cold calling, mm -hmm. but once they're a member, it's a warm call. They they open up an account with you, and especially if they open up an account, you know, at whether it's at the branch or online or at an event with your business development professionals, you know, that's the time where they're the most excited yeah. about being a member. Coupled coupled with the fact that you know you haven't done anything wrong yet, you haven't that's made any true. mistakes yet, so they're they're already happy with you so they're happy to take your call so you know, don't be afraid to incorporate those calls in your onboarding process no you have to you absolutely have to and we're actually I was talking with the director of HR this morning and my marketing manager mm -hmm. we're trying to get a dedicated person hired to uh, do onboarding mm -hmm. through uh, within business development channel. So they would be responsible for onboarding all the business development accounts. Mm -hmm. So we make sure that all those accounts we bring in from casual orientations to other meetings where they elevate, uh, elevate casuals to what they call B-men, which are basically full-time longshoremen. Mm -hmm. And they, um, we have to make sure that we're getting all those people and right. getting them active no matter where they are and we're, they become active, profitable members, because if you don't do that, they sit on the books for six months. If you don't reach out to them in the first right. 90 days to six months, they're dead accounts, you never get them back. Correct, correct. Now, uh, do you do any of the calling yourself? Uh, no. That's um, probably why it works. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, Sorry, I, mean, I had to get that in there. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'll interact with VIPs. Mm -hmm. So if there's a, right now, my uh, one of my business development people is on vacation, He deals with Hawaii territory that just mm -hmm. moved into. So I have all the contacts for the VIPs in Hawaii. So if they need something, they reach out to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I have, you know, if anyone reaches out and I happen to be the one that grabs the phone, somehow they get to me, mm -hmm. they punch extensions or whatever, I help them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even being an executive, you've got to be able to, you've got to be someone who is going to respond if a right. needs you to respond. 
Right. Do you need any help with any of that consulting work in that Hawaii portion of your business? Because <laughs> I think I can make myself available. Uh, you probably have to. You probably have to do it almost for free. We have so many people jumping through the hoops to volunteer to go to there's, Hawaii. There's a line, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just fly me out there. I'll yeah. figure it out. Just, I, I can camp in a tent on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, as you and I have talked about on, on several occasions when it comes to niche and building a brand um, and truly differentiating through the folks that you serve rather than just the products or services or the numbers, you've been in this industry about as long as I have. Why do you think that, that some institutions just gravitate to this let's get let's just get more numbers if we go to if we go community we could serve more people or if we grab if we're a teacher's credit union and we grab this government employees uh, credit union we could serve more people and that'll solve all our problems why, why do you think some of that is still going on out there I just think a lot of it is uh, economies of scale mm. you know they they say that and this number moves all the time Five years ago, it used to be you need to be 250 million to get these cost breaks and have these economies of scale, and then then it's you know probably 500 million. But I think it's honestly a, a game of you know the bigger the better. People want to be the biggest credit union in the market because they figure that they can they they can scale up to a point where they can they're still a credit union. Mm -hmm. But they're basically operating like a bank, and they feel small credit unions don't really have the opportunity or the ability to serve people. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, that's true. I know John Hernandez uh, has been talking to me. He runs three small credit mm -hmm. unions. And so he's talking about his small credit unions, and they're a whole different set of challenges for small credit unions. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, if you're under $100 million, and depending on what your capital situation and your earnings look like, you have to be looking at viability to survive five, the next five mm -hmm. years, the next 10 years. Because if you don't have a viable path for survival those next five or 10 years, you know, you, you might as well start looking for a merger partner mm -hmm. because at least you'll have control over it as, as to if you don't, and your capital deteriorates, you'll have the NCUA looking for a merger partner for you, or the yeah. DBO looking for a merger partner for you. So I think there's a lot of that going on. Mm -hmm. I know the Richard Miles Johnson Foundation and the leagues try and do a lot for small credit unions, mm -hmm. and you know they try and give them as many resources as they can, but it's difficult. It really is because you're operating on a totally different, you know, with a totally different factor. A one percent or one R one percent ROA at a small mm -hmm. credit union is dramatically different than a one percent ROA at a larger credit union, and what you can do with that money, and you know, hiring talent and all the competition. And some people they think, okay, we we need to grow. We've got to get out of our seg box and we've got to expand the community because at least we can get those numbers we can bring them in mm -hmm. we can show membership growth and that will fend off the regulators and hopefully we'll show income growth from that yeah yeah i i do understand the economies of scale argument uh but i will say over the last 25 years that institutions that arbitrarily focus on the economy as a scale goal, mm -hmm. where we need to get to this point or bust, regardless of how we get there, yeah. always fail on some level. Uh, whereas when credit unions are focused on economies of scale, but to do it organically, yeah. and then a lot of good things happen. You know, sometimes those mergers that you didn't even think about that do make sense because you're growing organically 
happen that way. Yeah. You know, sometimes those groups that you never thought it, you could serve but are aligned with what you're doing all of a sudden fall on your lap because you're doing things the right way in terms of differentiating, you know, rather than the primary focus being on that economies of scale or a particular asset number. Yeah, I mean, you know, my wife used to work in the credit mm -hmm. industry, as you know, and she was a VP for a credit union out here. It was a big credit union, mm -hmm. there were about 600 million in assets. And the board specifically brought someone in to get them to a billion dollars. And so that person worked at a billion dollar credit union. The first thing he did was he raided that credit union for their executive team. Yeah. So they become a junior version of the credit union that's already a billion dollars, but they've completely changed the culture. Yeah. They've lost a lot of what they were doing and the groups they've reached out to that they made some inroads with. They've lost all those groups, and one of the business development reps that was really successful moved on to a competing credit union in the same market, and all those contacts that this business development rep had within mm -hmm. the credit union's field of membership are now coming to them. Right. So that credit union is seeing record growth because he's bringing those people with him mm -hmm. because they're going away from this credit union that's no longer focused on them, Yeah. and so it's hurting them. Yeah, I think... I think in a world, especially when we focus on finance first and then ops and then sales or building a brand and we're in this economies of scale tunnel vision, we easily forget about the importance of culture. Um, I, I experienced that in the early 2000s. Uh, I worked for an organization for six years that I thought had a very, very sound culture. And the, the, this particular institution was just hell-bent on getting a merger done, yeah. which they did, and it changed the whole culture. And literally within, I want to say, two years, I think the entire executive team, uh, or close to it, had, had turned over, which you know, just isn't viable for, for long-term growth. It, it, yeah. it just isn't. And I think also, when you, if you want to go to a community market, you can't you've got to sort of target, you've got to be smart about it. Mm -hmm. You can't just sort of go where everybody else is going. Mm -hmm. Again, this, uh, another, credit, another example for another credit union, they were going and targeting, they did a whole analysis on where mm -hmm. to go and uh, companies and this person, this type of member, where we're going to go, and it led them down a path. And they were starting to go down that path in an underserved community that mm -hmm. they got. And the new group comes in, they abandon that completely, and they're going to go after all these major companies that everybody else in the world mm -hmm. is going after. So instead of going where somebody isn't, yeah. they're going where everybody is. Right. And so if you do want to, and that's another differentiator, mm -hmm. you've got to go to people that need your services. Mm -hmm. You can't go and compete with everybody wants Tesla. Everybody wants, <laughs> you know, Google. Right. You know, but you can't go. You can't go and compete with them because those those the types of members you're going to get from there, the type mm -hmm. of people that work there, generally have higher incomes. They can name their price on almost mm -hmm. anything, and they have so many other options. So. You know, would you, you should probably be looking at some other small manufacturers if you're mm -hmm. going to do that and look at serving that market that's underserved. Yep. And so many organizations, they ignore that. They really do. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and, great point. 
And yeah, I also want to to say that being a community credit union, there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing uh, wrong but with but two but two specific things I always tell community credit unions is one is your job's a little bit harder mm-hmm. because now all of a sudden you are playing in a pond with the Chases and the Wells Fargo's and the key banks and so on and so forth. Uh, because you have to try a little bit harder to find that differentiation. But number two, if you truly do find that differentiation in that community, um, what comes to mind, they were never never a client of mine, but I was a happy credit union member for, I want to say, about 10 years when I lived in Naperville, Illinois. DuPage Credit Union did a very, very good job at that. And they were originally a teacher's credit union, and went community, which sometimes can be a, a pretty tough road. Yeah. Uh, but they did a very, very nice job of connecting with DuPage County and connecting with you know, viscerally what that meant. You know that you weren't necessarily living in Chicago; that you were part of these western suburbs. And and they went to you know the fairs and everything yep. else, and they connected with the people in that community. So it can be done. It's a little bit tougher, but then you have to differentiate on a county, on a community, and yes. what's different in that community, and not just say, hey, we're community, and we have all the same stuff that the big banks do. Yeah, and <laughs> so many credit make the mistake of, like I said, of working for Pacific Community. Mm-hmm. They went community, opened the doors, and expected everybody to come to them. And where they saw their real growth was through indirect lending. Mm-hmm. And you know that's where they saw the membership growth. But again, those are are they true members or are they not true members? Right. They're right. sort of an investment in an asset you set on your books. Yeah. And they sort of age out as the loan pays <laughs> off because you really don't convert them into real members. Right. Right. Which is a discussion probably for another podcast. Yes. Uh, but because <laughs> we can go a half an hour on that. Uh, but last question, you in your experience. With credit unions out there, even regardless of size, because I, while I do believe in economies of scale, I believe that you know we, we tie ourselves into asset size a little bit too much. I know plenty of credit unions under 100 million that are doing some really great things out there. But given your experience for an institution that's building a brand, that's trying to build a niche and a differentiator, what's maybe that number one or, or top two things that you would suggest for them to do? You've really got to connect and stay connected to that, to the leadership and all the members of that primary sponsor group. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the, when I got here, the ILWU didn't think about us as being part of that group. Mm-hmm. Now we are part of that group, yeah. and that's where you have to be. You have to be in lockstep with them. You can't uh, you can't be set aside because if you get, you get yourself even booted out a little bit out of that group, out mm-hmm. of that circle it's really hard to get back within that circle of trust. So I think that's the primary thing, is being part of that group. And whatever they support, you support. Wherever wherever they are, you are. Mm -hmm. And you have to keep that focus. You can't be be half in, half out. And uh, that is the major differentiator. I think also products. Number two is is products. You have to have the right products. You have to look at what their needs are, mm-hmm. and you have to create products that fill those needs. And even if they don't believe that's the you know, win all product, yeah. they've got to have it, you've got to have it there because there are a lot of members that'll take advantage of it, mm-hmm. and they'll say, yeah, that is specifically a product designed for longshoremen, and that's a reason for us to yep. be part of your credit union. Yep, and then you've actually have a branded product rather than just another checking account exactly. or another loan. 
Yeah, the contract security account, the contract support program, those are two branded products just for Longshoremen mm -hmm. and their family members and not, you know, for Joe Schmo down the street or the guy, the manager of Polly's, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. And for those of you who, who can't see, Polly's Pies <laughs> is right across the street. So uh, maybe we'll go for some pie. I don't know. But, uh, but Robert... Thank you so much. A lot of great advice um, and just a great conversation. Yeah, well, thank you, Ken. And I want to thank you again, too. And I know I've said this a few times, but you were very instrumental. You talk about associations and small associations and branding and tracking and goals. You, uh, the last two years, you've helped the WCMS Alumni Association with our planning session. And honestly, when I first got on that board, and I've been president for about six years now, when I got on that board, you couldn't, people were not banging down the door to be a volunteer of this alumni association and work on the board. Now, because we've done so much in the last two years, two to three years, and you're, uh, you really put us on a path for success. You've helped us generate more income. You've helped us in, increase our membership. You've helped us give more back to the school, which were our three major goals. And now I have people beating down my door to get on the board, <laughs> so much so that we've got to sort of form an advisory committee. Mm -hmm. So we have board members, associate board members, and now we'll soon have an advisory committee that will help us add, reach even more of the alumni that are in the 13 Western states. So, you know, you can be, it, all this stuff can be done, mm -hmm. but you're right. You've got to really focus on your target and you've right. got to meet those needs. So, I, you know, that, just the advice that you've given us has helped us be really successful. Even with small organizations, you can do it. You just yeah. have to have the right focus. Yep, agreed. And, and thank you so much for your kind words. And no, this wasn't planned. <laughs> uh, but, you know, every once in a while, I, I, get, uh, I, I get very pleasantly surprised with uh, some unexpected and very nice comments. And it was my pleasure to, to work with that board. And uh, they were just a lot of fun. <laughs> Both times, yes. were, we we just had a great time, you know, and and sometimes that's what it's about is just actually enjoying what you're doing. But uh, I certainly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for taking some time, Robert, uh, and thank all of you for taking some time to either listen or watch this particular episode. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Credit Union Business News podcast. Learn more about Credit Union Business News at creditunionbusiness.com. Suggestions for the Credit Union Business News podcast can be directed to Tim O'Hara at tim at cubusiness.com or Ken Bader at kbader, B-A-T-O-R, at btcinc.net. To learn more about this episode's sponsor, please go to btc.net. INC.net.